0: And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz.
1: Two hours of programming here on Raider Nation Radio with me joining you today here on a beautiful Tuesday. I say beautiful because I love it when it's hot. And when it's hot, it means that football is right around the corner. And for us, just being able to say, you know what, we're three months away from preseason games. And a month before that, we got training cam. But guess what? OTAs are starting next week. So the Raiders are going to be in action and we're going to see the guys on the field. But of course, we got way more to talk about as well. We got the NBA playoffs, Western Conference finals. I know a lot of Laker fans out there are excited about that. We're going to be talking hoops with a guy that I met a couple of years ago, and heck, I say a couple of years ago, and I see we're 2023, it's almost a decade ago, Bob Cantu, former head coach of the USC Trojans, a guy that has a lot of experience in college hoops and a lot of connections in the NBA. I was messaging with him yesterday and he's like, "I've seen every single playoff game uh, this year in the NBA from start to finish." He is a basketball extraordinaire and expert. So I was like, "Hey, you know what? I want to talk hoops with someone on the air. Let me call Coach Bob and have him on the air today." So he will be joining us in our number 2. Of course, we're in Las Vegas and the first top Four in leagues, when you talk about pro sports out here in the United States, the first pro team in town, the Vegas Golden Knights. They are also in the conference finals. I know that technically... It's not four out of the last six years that they've made it to the conference finals because one of those years they kind of rearranged the things in the postseason. But it's four out of the six years of existence that they're in the final four in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Golden Knights, they are four wins away from going back to the Stanley Cup <sighs> finals. And I mean, I was there that first year I was working for a TV station here in town and the environment was crazy. It was nuts when they were taking on the Capitol. So it would be fantastic. It to get Vegas back in that level, and I got Chris Chapman here with me today, helping me out with the boards, an extraordinaire, a savant out here in Vegas sports. And Chris, you are out there with the coverage with the Vegas Golden Knights, with hockey in Vegas, and I mean, this town is going to be crazy for the next two weeks with the Western Conference Finals, and hopefully also with the Stanley Cup uh, Final.
0: Yeah, it's 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 cool because you bring back the, uh, the 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 team that beat them in the Western Conference Finals in the bubble. Back in Edmonton, what was that, three years ago? And ironically, that team, the Dallas Stars, now coached by Pete Deboer, who was the Vegas coach, when they lost to Dallas in that, that Western Conference final. And of course he was, I would say, unceremoniously fired last year at the end of the season. And you know what, man, I I, I, I remember that's when I met you when you were working for the T V station. You're out and we, we we became friends and you know it was great because the excitement level in this city I don't, I don't think, like, it's great that the Aces won the championship, but I think it's great with yeah, Becky Hammond awesome, and, and Kelsey Plum and Asia Wilson. I mean, Asia Wilson, to me, is a rock star. Like, she's a superstar. But the WNBA does not get the attention that the NHL does. And for the Golden Knights, if they are able to go to the Stanley Cup final again, this city will be electric. This this year, in this city, will be unlike anything any of us have ever experienced because obviously if the Golden Knights make the Stanley Cup final, we get that. You and I are big soccer fans. We've got the Gold Cup semifinals. We've got the Concacaf Nations League semifinals and finals. We've got a couple of other big time soccer Manchester teams coming United here. Manchester
1: United is going to be in yeah, town. I mean, I mean AC Milan, Milan and
0: Barcelona. But then we have the Formula One race, and the culmination is the Super Bowl in February of 2024. Like the next 12 months in Las Vegas are going to be unlike anything anybody has ever experienced.
1: I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit uh, when it comes to myself. I was about to leave Vegas in 2021. My When my lease expired, I went to Mexico to hang out with my parents because I hadn't seen them in a while. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply for jobs and see what happens. And... Shout out to Austin FC with the MLS for ghosting me. I had three interviews with them, and then out of nowhere, I didn't hear back. I was, like, excited about potentially going out to work over there. Didn't happen. Came back to Vegas, and everything is booming, and I'm freelancing. I'm part-timing. I'm, I got multiple jobs, and it's great to be here because it's like this town, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and giving us more. And the Golden Knights, they pretty much were the start of getting it to the next level because, of course, you've had UNL. LV national champions, the running rebels that were with Tark. they were the show in town. You had minor league teams, the Aviators before the 51s, they did their thing, the Las Vegas Lights, you mentioned the Aces, but you talk about Those top four leagues that you want to be involved with, and right now Vegas has two, and in the near future, I'm pretty sure they're going to have all four. This town, it doesn't stop, and the Golden Knights, they were the start of it.
0: Yeah, you you don't get any more big time in professional sports than when you're a city that has all four major league franchises. And, I mean, we could add a fifth because I do think that at some point MLS will be here. And, I mean... Man, the listen, there, I, there's I mean, there's not a so. lot of cities that that have all four and then an MLS club on like that's like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, LA. Like LA is I mean and the rivalries that we will create with Los Angeles if we get a baseball team. I mean, I know it's not the Dodgers they'd be playing and and I know that that's LA's team. I don't care what people from from Orange County say. I'm from the East Coast and I could recognize that the Dodgers are LA's team, but the rivalry you'd create because there are some angel fans in in that Los Angeles area maybe they're from OC originally but it's just so cool and 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 I'm like you I left Las Vegas and came back and I really wasn't sure what I was going to do when I came back and you know two years living overseas ironically like you left the country and I came back and I was like yeah I wonder and and fortunately I had the radio experience but what's happened when I was rehired here in 2016 to where we are today in 2023 Harry, it's it's unlike anything, and and listen, I I am the the event I'm the most excited for is F one because I I, I like F one, I watch it. I'm a big Chaco Perez fan, and and because I got a root for the North American guy, and I know Lance Stroll is Canadian, but and there's an American guy now, but I still like Chaco. Because he can win.
1: All right, let's fix that. Checo Perez.
0: Checo Perez. There
1: you go. All right. (laughs) Sergio Checo Perez, he's doing his thing. And, yeah, no, I I moved here in 2017, and I was going to one-up you when you mentioned all those sports. We got to add, UFC is based out of Las Vegas. UFC gets two to three pay-per-views a year here at T-Mobile Arena in town. And then you get boxing, all the big-time boxing. Heck, we got Lomachenko against Taney on Saturday, but Cinco de Mayo, Mexican Independence Day weekend. This town is popping because this is the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Now, when I moved here, it was the entertainment capital of the world. You can go on the strip and you can go and see shows whenever you wanted. Sports, every once in a while, you would get a big event now it's like every weekend it's going crazy in town
0: well and and the best thing will be when we eventually do get that baseball stadium because i think people are kind of losing the plot here a little bit you're gonna put a thirty thousand seat outdoor retractable roof stadium on las vegas boulevard so what you're gonna get there is you're gonna get events that are too small for allegiant but too big to be playing at t-mobile uh, think about i mean you're you're a big boxing guy you just mentioned the ufc the ufc being able to utilize that stadium or canelo when he comes to be able to have a fight outdoors at at that baseball stadium right across from from the mgm grand i mean you can't get much better than that
1: one thousand percent agree and uh, i mean heck i'm just so ready so ready for it to happen but for now we got the Golden Knights. We got the Raiders. We got pro sports all around town. We're going to talk hoops, like I mentioned, with Bob Cantu An hour number two. Hour number one, I got a couple of guests lined up. Lindsey Brown that you listen to every morning here on the Morning Tailgate. She's a huge ho- hockey expert as well, like Chris Chapman. And we need to talk Golden Knights. I hear JT LeBrick every day being like, guys, I need hockey calls. I need this town to get into hockey because it, it is what it is right now. And Bill Foley said, cup in six. And we were a couple of eight wins away from it potentially happening. So we'll talk with her about the Vegas Golden Knights, Ryan Sakamoto better known as Beast, the Beast Rider. Uh, You can check him out online, but he will be here with us today to talk Raiders football at 1240. I'm hearing a lot about Quentin Williams, about him uh, taking all of the references from the New York Jets on his social media, something that appears to be the leverage that he wants to get a new contract or to get traded. This era of social media, man, it's whack. It's crazy. It's like Guys, come on, man. Get your negotiations done another way. But well, we, we saw it, with Kyler Murray. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. He, what did he,
0: unfollow the Cardinals on Instagram? He deleted and, and,
1: all the posts with the Cardinals included on them and just had, like, one photo on Instagram. Yeah. And then he ended up signing a huge contract. See, it's now, just, this
0: one, this one's important to me because I'm a New York Jets fan. So I think Quinn Williams is one of the best defensive linemen in the entire NFL. So he wants to get paid. And, and I am one of those people. I sit on, on this side of the microphone and... And I am. Oh, I've always been an advocate of get your money, go get paid. You know why? Because Woody Johnson is a multi-billionaire. I don't care about him. I care about the player. Go get your money, especially in the NFL where contracts are not guaranteed. guaranteed yeah, you know, Quinn Williams, go get your money, go get it. And and I I don't care if he holds out. You go get your money. You go do your thing.
1: That's how it is in life, man. You got to guarantee having a roof above your head, food on your table, your financial uh, security for yourself, for your family and for the generations to come, because not anybody becomes a football player that makes it in high school. Even lesser folks make it into collegiate level and get their education taken care of. And even less amount of folks make it to the NFL. And then you got those one percenters that make big time money, especially talking about the non-quarterbacks. The quarterbacks, they're going to get paid. But then the guys that are in other position groups, if you're in a position to get paid that you know you got the talent, that you know you're worth it, you got to go get that money. And also I wanted to talk about an article that was posted this morning at 3.20 in the morning Pacific time on The Ringer by Miran Fader. A fantastic job done with this article where she shadowed Devontae Adams and posted a great uh, profile on him, and it was it's titled Devontae Adams and the Race Against Time. And I thought it was incredible. Um, I first found out about it watching the Pat McAfee show this morning, but they took a different angle reading some quotes about it that, Might not have been as positive about the Raiders when in reality, if you read the whole article, you see a guy that his goal, part of his goal coming to the Las Vegas Raiders was showing the world that he didn't need Aaron Rodgers to be the wide receiver one that he is. An all pro wide receiver. He, in the article, it's mentioned that he messaged the PR department with the Raiders. Hey, the moment that the all pro, uh, you get the information about the all pros, let me know immediately. And, of course, he was a first-teamer, 1,500-plus yards last year, led the league in receiving touchdowns. You look at him, and he was a beast. And the Raiders last year, they were a six-win team. They were a top-ten pick in the NFL draft with their own draft. So this squad wasn't at the best level they could have been last year. And despite it, they had a uh, first-team all-pro guy. In Devontae Adams, and look at it, they, the, the Pat McAfee show. They were focusing on some quotes, and I'll read them right here off of the article. The front office think this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. I'm going to have to buy into this and try to be as optimistic as possible. It's not what I expected to happen, but it's something that's the reality right now. Those two quotes, they were just exploding them when you read the rest of the article and he's like, yo, my goal is to win a Super Bowl with this team. And that's why I didn't come here just to be cute with Derek. It is to really try and have a shot and change this organization. Let's remember, this is a kid or well, a man now, 30 years old, from the Bay Area. He grew up being a Raiders fan. He grew up idolizing Tim Brown. He grew up idolizing Jerry Rice, watching him play in the Super Bowl with the Raiders. And he wants to have the silver and black in that prominent position that nobody has been able to put them in the playoffs, winning in the playoffs since those guys, Rich Gannon, Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, were in the playoffs making it to the Super Bowl and then getting blasted by John Gruden and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But that's where the Raiders want to be. And I think that Devontae Adams... He has that goal of, you know what, that there's always guys that, especially like, for example, I go to the Beletnikovs events out here in Vegas, the Crab Fest, go, go during the season. It's fantastic. The golf invitation wait, wait, wait,
0: Crab Fest? Yes. I got I to gotta start palling around with you and JT.
1: Bro, it's <laughs> it's the real deal. And that's, you like uh, seafood, I imagine, Oh, I, right? I
0: love seafood, yes. I so, grew up on the ocean, so I, I am a massive seafood eater.
1: So here you go. I don't. But... I love going out there for the people that you get to meet. And I'm talking about some of the behind the folks folks I've gotten to meet. Angela Belutnikov, one of my favorite people in the whole world. She's fantastic. Freddie B. So when I first met him was to talk about the Crab Fest before it happened in twenty twenty one like a preview interview, and I was like, I met you in Mexico City, you, Willie Brown, I took a picture with you guys, I showed him the picture, and he got very sentimental, because Willie had just passed away, and uh, it was, it was very cool, and I was like, It's Fred Beletnikoff, the first ever Super Bowl MVP in Raiders history. And now it's like, of course, it's still Fred Beletnikoff, but now it's a closer relationship of me knowing who he is, he knowing who I am. Angela, she's an angel. That's a fitting name for her, Angela. But then there are folks behind the scenes. Amber, she does an incredible job. But then you get to meet a lot of celebrities that are super cool out there. Marcus Allen, I got to interview him right there at the red carpet, and he was first class and we got to talk about the the foundation and football and everything so getting able to be a a Fred Beletnikoff in this franchise a Marcus Allen in this franchise a Jim Plunkett in this franchise that's huge and that was huge when they did it in the 70s and the 80s but can you imagine if Devontae Adams or a Max Crosby who in my opinion these two they're the faces of the franchise you can talk about Jimmy Garoppolo being the quarterback and by the way I know that that face gets a lot of clicks on social media from ladies because I posted a video of him when he got introduced on my Instagram and it has like 250,000 views. And every day I wake up and it still gets tons of likes. I'm like, guys, that was over a month ago. But ladies, they love Jimmy G. Yes, he's a quarterback. But in my opinion, Devontae and Max, they're the faces of the franchise. And if they're able to be the two guys, that helped the Raiders go back into the playoffs and win in the playoffs and potentially go into the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl, that would make these two guys, like, iconic in the Raider Nation because over these last 30 years, the Raiders have been waiting for that big moment and it just hasn't happened. So let's see if these two guys are able to do it. Raider Nation, let's go to a quick break. Heck, with this heat, I think it would be fantastic to head over to the M Resort's Day Dream Pool, especially throughout the month of May, because every Saturday from noon to 3, the Day Dream Pool will be sampling Quantro cocktails that are featured on their extensive cocktail menu. So... Go get controversial at the M Resort Day Dream Pool. Let's go to a break, and we're going to come right back with Lindsey Brown to talk some Vegas Golden Knights hockey.
2: Back to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry
1: Ruiz. You know Bobby ain't in when we're not listening to Metallica or metal music. Chris Chapman bringing the flow here today on Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. Filling in for Bobby Machado. And we head over to the line, to the phone line, where Lindsey Brown, where... It depends on who you ask for the nickname. You go over with Brian Salmon when she's on TV and she's downtown Lindsey Brown with me because I saw her on Instagram once playing in the high-limit blackjack room. For me, she's high-limit Lindsey. For everybody out here, she's the hockey expert on Lotus Broadcasting. Lindsey, how are you? Thanks for joining me today.
2: I'm doing excellent, H-20. Thanks for having me. I would like to clarify once again that I was not in the high-limit room. I was simply near it. But uh, maybe we can make something happen where I can... Maybe get an invitation to a fancy place like that.
1: Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. In the picture, you were definitely <laughs> in the high limit room. So, uh, yeah, and
2: I'll take it with you, buddy.
1: I want to ask you about the limit with these Vegas Golden Knights because if you ask the national media, and heck, you could look at the receipts with ESPN, I think only two of their experts uh, predicted the Golden Knights making it to the Western Conference Finals. What's the limit with this Golden Knights team that now are going to be facing their former coach with the Dallas Stars?
2: Hey, I think they can go all the way, uh, and, and you're right in terms of the national media. Even a local media, like Chapman and I did a, a podcast a few weeks ago, where I think it was him, I, Jesse Granger, and Eddie Rivkin, who was the host of it. And I think I was the only one that said that they could make it past Edmonton Oilers in the second round. I'm not here to choose the horn, but
0: no, 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 Eddie, Eddie was uh, on the boat with you too. I, I was, I, I said Edmonton though
2: both uh, there's room for on the door for both of us I guess one of us doesn't have to sink into the bottom deep like the Titanic with Jack and Rose but <laughs> in terms of what what this team is capable of which is uh, an incredibly malleable group that can shut things down defensively they can find ways to score goals that aren't just a pretty way they found ways to to penetrate inside of the zone when they're playing offensively they're getting offensive contributions from not just one or two guys but up and down the roster and so I, the way I see it, and, and based off of all the hockey I've watched both at the NHL level and what I've played and everything else, like, you have all of the things at your disposal, and it's just, can you show up on the, each day and execute? And, and it's going to be a heck of a challenge with the Dallas Stars because they're eerily similar to uh, what your Golden Knights look like.
1: Exactly, and how how the heck do you, did they stop Leon Drysido after he scored four goals in Game One in that six to four loss for Edmonton, and then twice in the five to one win in Game Two? But then he went four straight games without a goal, and I'll just add another nugget: it was a total of fourteen consecutive periods for the Vegas Golden Knights where they didn't allow a goal from Leon Drysido, and I think that just elevates their their knowledge of you know what we can stop these top. Notch players.
2: Well, and they did that a couple of years ago with the Colorado Avalanche with Nathan McKinnon. Like, ultimately, you can find ways to trap guys into phone booths. Like, McKinnon likes to go up and down the boards. You're like, that's fine. You want to go from the hash marks all the way to the goal line, just skate back and forth and try to create that way. If you beat us that way, I- I'm all for it. You just don't want him walking down from the top. And then when it's Leon, you know, that offense for the Oilers was so heavily reliant on the power play because nobody can really cover him when he was on that back door, but then when they started dropping Mark stone and other penalty killers lower into the zone that disrupted the passing lanes, that didn't allow them to get the look that they wanted, they responded and, but that's the look that they want. That's their most productive look. And so they're able to take that away. And then as you kind of uh, basically seep away the confidence from that player, they didn't have the five V five numbers to back it up. And so I, I think They just figured out a way how to disrupt you just enough. And that's really all it takes. It doesn't have to be this Herculean effort every time. You just have to make sure they don't get to their best game.
1: Well, you mentioned a Herculean effort. And I want to say since the moment, so I'm helping out with the Spanish radio broadcasting pregame and intermission and postgame and, I've been giving props to Aiden Hill from the moment when Lauren Brossois went down and Aiden Hill came into the game. I loved him. I loved everything he was doing on the ice, Uh, but how big is it going to be to have a huge series for a maiden Hill to be able to make it to the next round. Because before that, you can call it garbage time in game number two that he came in, uh, when the mm-hmm. golden Knights were down, he hadn't ever played in the playoffs. And then he comes in, in the first period in game three, when bro Sua gets hurt. And now he's the guy right now.
2: Yeah, it's certainly a big question. I think he still has a lot to prove. I was very enthused by what he was able to turn in for game six. Cause game five was a little wonky. And, and Aiden Hill is not the best mover when it comes to the goaltenders on this team, but here's the thing. You don't need him to be this. This squad has had to deal with a cast of characters all season long. So they know defensively when to tighten up, what areas of the ice do we need to take away to best enable Aiden Hill to find his best game? Cause he's just not going to, the, the puck will come to you at the same rate, but the manner in which you make your save, how you place your rebounds, how you react to it, that's all personalized. And so I, I think this team First of all, knows how to weather the storm. I think anthill is more than capable of doing it. It's just, can the team play well enough in front of them and tie up sticks, make sure nobody's getting inside their house right in front of the net to put away rebounds? And when we talk about the Dallas Stars, I think the really big thing uh, for me for this series is about getting in shooting lanes. because the, There's no better team at blocking shots in the NHL than the Golden Knights, and especially if you're talking about Alec Martinez and Brady McNabb. And there's somebody on their roster named Joe Papelki that this uh, fan base is very familiar with very emotionally uh, attached to that he is the best net front presence guy in the in the world bar none he tips pucks that shouldn't that do not make sense and so that for me is kind of the lynch point. and so Aiden Hill's gonna have to be able to see through through traffic or at least be in the right time and place to make those saves even if he doesn't necessarily see it coming at him.
1: So the Raider Nation, of course, we remember a lot that year where John Gruden leaves the Raiders, and then the next year they play against him in the playoffs, and he knew all the tricks in the book, and he knew all the players Mm -hmm. like the back of his hand. Is that potentially something that could happen in this series for the Vegas Golden Knights, knowing that Pete DeBoer is the head coach for the opposing team?
2: Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. It's, it's, It's one of my biggest worries, because, I mean, he was here, what, nine months ago, like... He, he knows all these guys. He knows Jack Eichel. He knows the, the spot Marshy wants to get to. He knows what Alex Petrangelo likes to do at the top of the point. And these players on the Dallas side are a lot better depth-wise than the Edmonton Oilers, not just scoring, but how they play defensively, how they play their systems. Like, this is a very formidable opponent for them, and that's not even including the Pete DeBoer edge. And DeBoer, I mean, after last night, I think he's 7-0 and in game sevens. I think that this series has a high potential to go seven games, but – Ultimately, I, I really like the adjustments that Bruce Cassidy has made with this team. I think that's the biggest difference. I don't think a Pete DeVore, Golden Knights team was necessarily destined or really enabled to win a Stanley Cup. I think with Bruce Cassidy, they are. And so, ultimately, it's just if they make an adjustment, do you have an adjustment back? Like, and, and it, you know, whoever, whoever scores the most goals at the end of time, like that's it's a true matchup that uh, it, it's, it's going to be a barn burner and it's going to be a really, really tough way to uh, try to get to your Stanley Cup final by going through a guy who's seen everything that's gone on around your locker room over the last two and a half seasons.
1: So I was follow I follow you on Twitter. Check out Lindsey Brown, Lindsey Brown thirty five on Twitter okay. and on Instagram. I saw that quote tweet that you posted early today in the morning about the early dangerousness of the Dallas mm-hmm. Stars, and that's something that the Golden Knights they suffered against with Edmonton that they seem to always start off games hot. What can the Golden Knights do to them be the aggressors early, or is it better to just chill, relax, keep the open, in the back, and then just go later in the in the periods?
2: Well, I think what happened with Edmonton is that they were really irresponsible in taking penalties early on the game. Like, I'm all for physicality. I'm all for making sure nobody's taking liberties. But let the game settle in a little bit. Now, the Dallas Stars are operating at the same clip uh, when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers. But ultimately, it's about finding your identity early and getting on the forecheck, making sure that you're spending more time in their zone than your defensive zone, getting tape-to-tape passes, making simple hockey plays. Because, that allows you to settle into the game. It allows the game to slow down where, where your decisions aren't rushed, where you're, you're making those simple plays and really just taking care of the puck. And at times this team struggles with that. I mean, even this, this predates DeBoer, this is go This is uh different times of this team where they don't always start the best. Sometimes they're able to score just as well, but in those opening minutes, it's really tough and it's just so, so hard to chase the game. And the Dallas stars, are not nearly as uh, defensively sound or the Dallasers are as more defensively sound than Edmond Oilers. and so even if they get a one or two goal lead, like that's gonna be enough for them. And so the Goal lines really have to mind their Ps and Q's and make sure that they don't they do themselves favors early on in that game. And if their stars are pressing as they will in the four check, especially when Jamie Ben is out there, he's an absolute drill wrecker. He's an absolute menace when he's on the ice that you're staying in good body position, that you're making those plays to get the puck out quickly so you're not getting trapped.
1: We're talking with Lindsey Brown that you can listen to every morning here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM with The Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker and Vinny Vonsignor as well. And I thought it was interesting. I heard you say it. I think I heard Chap as well right now. You guys weren't didn't agree with Pete DeBoer being fired with the Golden Knights, but... Now that they are both in the Western Conference Finals, the team that fired him and, the team and himself with the Dallas Stars, do you think this maybe says, you know what, the front office was right?
2: I think they needed to move on from Pete last year. I, I think there, there's a certain rapidity in this market right now where there's that success needs to be had. And when you have a, uh, a season in which you miss the playoffs, that's not a big deal to me. But what I heard, what was going on in the locker room last year with the devolvement between like Robin Leonard and, and all of the drama that was tied up in that. Pete is a really good coach in the opening years of his tenure. He's really good at getting a team. Like if he takes over a team, they make it to the Western conference finals or the Stanley cup final almost every time. It's like, it's uncanny. It's very weird, but I don't consider him a galvanizing leader. He's not going to really get after people. He's not that loud guy that people, there, there has to be a little element of fear, right? Like, Bruce Cassidy is going to tell you how it is. Bruce Cassidy is not going to mince works. Bruce Cassidy is going to expect a different level of play from you and is going to elicit that through his, his different tactics. And I think that breeds a different layer of accountability between the players themselves rather than the coaches, and, and meaning like the coach down to the players. And so I got nothing against Pete personally. I think that he's, that he's a great coach. I just don't think he was the right coach for this team right now.
1: There you go. And now it seems like he's the right coach for yeah, Dallas. He's, he's
2: fine in Dallas. It worked out for all of us guys. It's it's nothing but roses.
1: Yeah, and actually Herbert Castro, who is the color analyst in the Spanish radio broadcast, he was also mentioning, he's like, no, I, I didn't agree with Coach DeBoer getting fired. And I was like, well, the Golden Knights, after not being in the playoffs last year, they're in the Western Conference Finals. They're four wins away from the Stanley Cup Finals for the second time in six years. I think I mean, I'm just an outsider. I'm more focused on football, on baseball, and other sports. But when I come in and be like, yo, I look at results, and Bo Foley in the front office, they probably weren't happy about not making it to the playoffs last year after being in the playoffs every year before that. So, I mean.
2: And, Harry, the the deal is, too, that the NHL is the shortest coaching carousel in professional sports right now. And it has a bunch of different factors going into it, not limited to pandemic money, escrow, all of these contracts are guaranteed, so it's really hard to move players. The trade market isn't the same as it is in the NBA because there's just not many teams willing to do business of that level where you're trying to move big players. Now, it's kind of picked up in the last couple years because so many teams are in a cap crunch, but the easiest way to elicit a change in your team is to let go of the coach. You're actually more likely to get fired in the NHL coaching a good hockey team than you are coaching a bottom feeder because their expectations are too high. And we've seen a lot of success in the last 10 years or so where there's been mid-season coaching changes. That happened with, with Mike Sullivan in, in Pittsburgh. They won back-to-back cups after he was brought in uh, mid-season. Craig Berube did the same thing in, in St. Louis. And I think Bruce Cass, I mean, he led him to a Stanley Cup final. I don't know if it was an actual the same year when he was in Boston, but there there's precedent to be set. And so, it, again... It's not these coaches' fault all the time. It's more about the timelines and the GMs and the pressures that they have trying to manage a roster that is really hard to, to create wiggle room
1: around. Everybody wants to win, and I'll put you and I'll put Chapman on the spot. Predictions. I heard you say you think this series is going seven, so who's winning game seven?
2: I'll take Knights in seven. I'm riding with this team. This is the closest thing I've seen to a championship roster, and this is as wide open of a field as it's going to get, and I think they smell that and that they're going to take advantage of that opportunity.
0: Chap? I don't think it goes seven. I think the Knights win it in six. Okay. Look, look, this this team, they they proved something to me the last series that they are a total team from top to bottom. They have all completely bought in to the system. They have all completely bought into playing as a team like when, when the, the the galvanizing moment for me was in that five minute kill oh, yeah. in game five when I I was in the locker room and heard Mark Stone talking about how angry he was that Keegan Colasar was the guy who Evander Kane was punching while he was basically helpless on the ice. And I think the team as a as a unit said, We are not going to let Keegan be the fall guy. And they stepped up in that in that five minute kill. And I, I just think this team, they continue to find ways to win, unlike any of the other four teams remaining. I, I just I mean they, they I said going into that Edmonton series, the team who won that series was gonna win the Stanley Cup. I think I think Vegas beats the Dallas Stars.
1: Ooh, hopefully so. We would have a great parade on the Strip. That would be the whole Strip. That would be fantastic. I know. Except that would... the
0: part that's being paved right now.
1: <laughs> Formula One. So
2: the entire part of the Strip. We'll just do it on Colville. It's fine.
1: Avoid, avoid the cones. Lindsey Brown, follow yeah. her on Twitter, twitter.com slash Lindsey Brown. Instagram, same handle. She does a fantastic job now in the mornings. The morning tailgate, 7 to 10 here on Raider Nation Radio. Lindsay, muchas gracias.
2: Of course, my friend. We'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Check her out. Social media does a fantastic job. I'm going to go same as Chapman. Golden Knights and six. I'm working the road games, so I need the max. I need the three road games to make a little bit more money. So I'm going Golden Knights and six as well. Let's see if they make it to the Stanley Cup finals or not. It's just Tuesday. Well, it doesn't matter if it's the weekend or not. It's always a great time to have a Modelo because Modelo is an official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Modelo, rooted in the heart of the Raider Nation. Drink responsibly, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. We're going to a quick break, and after it, we're going to talk Raiders football with my man Beast, Ryan Sakamoto. Back to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. So we had some hockey talk with Lindsey Brown. Of course, this city is going to be going crazy. I go out there on the streets, and I'm broadcasting from a local spot out here in Vegas, the road games, and I see how crazy they get for the Vegas Golden Knights, and it's this city's team. They never played anywhere else before. They're not a team that relocated. That This is Vegas' team. Now it's time for squads like the Raiders to gain that confidence from the city to become a team that's in the same spot in the hearts of Las Vegas. And then potentially a baseball team. If the athletics end up moving, which everything seems it's going to be the case, have this city be the A's city I'll tell you what they can't go with the same stuff they go out there in Oakland with moneyball and trying to save money and all that kind of stuff out here in Vegas they're gonna have to invest just like the Raiders have with the fantastic stadium bringing in Devontae Adams having Max Crosby and keeping him with a huge contract that's what the Raiders are going to do when they get their big well, stars
0: there there's one way you do that you win
1: just win baby just win
0: right Al Davis said it just win baby that's the only thing that matters fans don't care. What your stadium looks like, they don't care what you're selling in the stadium. They want you to win, and the Aces have done it. The Golden Knights have done it. I think the Raiders are on the right track to do it. So if the Ace come here, we don't we don't want that garbage that we see in Oakland.
1: Heck, two
0: thousand fans there last night. And two not even, not two thousand.
1: But then you look at the standings and be oh, like, oh my god, they're so bad. They're the only team in the American League that doesn't have double digit wins heck they're the only team in major league baseball what are we six uh, weeks in
0: something like that no, they're, winning
1: like like week. they're winning like a game a week weeks in they're winning a game a week pretty much so it's like you got to win you got to have talent on your squad and don't sell at the moment that they just become an asset to be like all right let's go get uh prospects from other teams and just like i said be a cheap team on your squad do we have ryan on the line perfect fantastic and yeah this guy he's he's uh someone that i enjoy being near during training camp uh when i it's cool because uh you're standing next to him and he's recording his youtube videos but he's giving all the insight live like it's not broadcast live but he's like talking about it on his video are you excited about otas and about training camp, East?
3: hey what's going on man thank you for having me on yeah i'm really excited i mean i think Always excited is the, the word that I would use when describing just year-round football. I mean, I think the grind itself is very, very positive And, like, anything that you can get your hands on, especially during the off-season, I think that's a plus. So I'm really excited for this season because each season has its own identity.
1: Beast, I saw you had a stream last night about the situation with Quinn and Williams. What do you think about it?
3: Man, it's a situation that you know very fluid. I think at the end of the day, Robert Sala and GM Joe Douglas want to get a deal done. However, when you look at the comparables of what it takes to re-sign an interior defensive lineman, I mean he wants to be probably 23.5 million APY. So you're looking at Jeffrey Simmons type of money, um, and I think he's well deserved that. I mean when I run the grades on all the top interior defensive linemen throughout the course of the year, he graded out my, as my highest graded interior defensive tackle so when you take that into account when he comes in at a really high grade not saying he's better than Aaron Donald because he's not but then again when you look at where they're graded and where they're arranged that's two different parameters for me but uh, when it comes to Quentin Williams he is scheme diverse you know he's a guy that I can see that would be a strong fit for the Raiders if they can make it fit in their salary cap uh, situation right now now they're right now they're not really in a, in a situational spot to where they can really resign or go after and target a guy like Quinnen Williams because of his asking price. They only have 3.9 million in cap health, so they're gonna have to restructure some deals and have some moving parts in order to clear way if he was to make his way to Way.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about the same the same spot that you are with the cap money, and also that it's like, yo, he's he has to be the best defensive tackle in money wise, right below Aaron Donald. It's like Aaron Donald isn't another stratosphere. I mean, that guy, he's all world. He's not only all NFL, he's all world. He's incredible. Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly, exactly. Aaron Donald is, gosh, man, I think we're lucky to see Aaron Donald in person if you ever got it, even on TV. I mean, the guy's just an absolute beast.
1: Like, the guy's maniac. Absolutely. And somebody that was in town yesterday visiting the Raiders, Marcus Peters, at his age with his experience and all he has gone through in the NFL, if he ends up getting signed by the Raiders, do you think that's a good fit for the silver and black?
3: I mean, I think the Iron Sharpens Iron mentality is alive and well. Uh, I think too many people here within the nation fan base is thinking that he's going to be a Pro Bowl player. I think that's fold gold. Um, I do think he has the ability to high point the football, make plays on the ball, and he does take risks. So, Again, anytime you do that from a boundary cornerback position, you're risking and putting your team at risk because you're being undisciplined in a way if you bite on double moves when you're playing the cover three and there's only a single high safety over the top. So again, when you look at that and then again, if you look at what Marcus Peters can do with his ball hawking skills, because that is a glaring, uh weakness for the team, you have to consider it. And you just live and die by what he does and what he does is he picks off passes. So, again, anytime you can get a defensive back who can turn a team around and the momentum of in the, in the course of a game turning an interception into a pick six, I mean, that can be a huge, huge driver for the team's momentum. And, yeah, at the end of the day, I think Marcus Peters would be a good play, although I would be cautious in calling him a Pro Bowl player. I think he's past his prime at this point.
1: Yeah. And that's somebody was asking me on social media. It's like, what do you think about this visit? And I'm like, look, if he comes at the right price, I think it would be a great addition for the Raiders, but they're not going to break the bank for Marcus Peters. And you can say, and there's folks saying, it's like, what does it say about the Raiders that they are bringing in Marcus Peters a couple of weeks after the draft and just pretty much having a tryout and talking with him? I'm like, yo, you go back a couple of years ago and Casey Hayward Jr. It was the same situation. He was the best cornerback on the team.
3: Oh yeah, Casey Hayward. I was I was kind of uh upset that Casey Hayward was let go. Um they let him go off and um he was really the best cornerback, like when I ran the grades. Like you're not wrong. Um I, I, I love his veteran presence. He's very disciplined in that regard. So again, if you want to talk a tale tale the two tape, Casey Hayward's more disciplined, Marcus Peters has better false ball, ball skills but takes more risks. So it's a catch twenty two at this point.
1: Hey, if memory doesn't fail me right now. I think Casey Hayward is still a free agent right now after being cut. Is he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, Raiders, I think that would be a good call to make. He's he's a guy that he killed it when he was with the Silver and Black. Yeah, he's a free agent at the moment. And that's what I always say. I'm like, yo, chill. If the team doesn't make a move to sign the best player available right as free agency starts where you got to spend the most money to get the player, there's still ballers out there in free agency even after the draft. So there's options. There's options out there. If you had to pick Casey Hayward or Marcus Peters, that would be an easy choice, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, now Marcus Peters gets signed. He's like, hey, aren't you the guy that went on Raider Nation Radio and said Casey Hayward over? Um, but, no, I think that uh, if, if I was rolling the dice, again, I'd like Casey Hayward a little bit more. So, again, we just have to know how he is because he wasn't what the team is with the Falcons last year. But, um so, yeah, if you were to ask me, I'd rather have Casey Hayward over Marcus Peters for sure.
1: Heck, I'd rather that, rather have both. But if you had to pick one, I mean, that's the decision. But at the same time, the same situation. You talk about Q. It's like uh, will, Quinn Williams. you got to make it work on the salary cap situation. And you know one player will be more expensive than the other. What are you most looking forward to when going back to Raiders headquarters and seeing uh, the team being out there practicing on the field for the first time?
3: Uh, For me, it's the continuity between Jimmy Garoppolo and the wide receivers. I mean, I think you have Jacoby Myers there. You have Devontae Adams, Philip Dorsett. You also have Trey Tucker there. So when you have those pieces aligned with Michael Mayer, I want to see how that dynamic is working. Coming over from the 49ers, when I cover Jimmy Garoppolo over there, and I kind of already have a blueprint of what I'm looking for, Um, having covered Jimmy Garoppolo with the Niners. I want to see if they kind of use the same formation, same looks, and then kind of seeing how the wide receiver – quarterback timing is on point or not on point as the season progresses.
1: Absolutely. We're talking with Ryan Sakamoto, better known as Beast. Follow him on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. He has daily streams every afternoon at 6 o'clock, and he does a fantastic job covering the Raiders. Defensively, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Tyree Wilson, his availability is going to be a big topic of conversation because you would like to have him out there uh, available as soon as possible. Right, Beast?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You don't draft a guy seventh overall if you didn't think he was going to be able to start and start right away. Uh, Maybe not be a starting player, but be a a good rotational player on passing down. So that list, Frank, injury, I mean, if they had any concerns over that, I don't think they would have drafted him, um, to be honest with you. I think that's why they brought him in for a pre-draft visit is to make sure that the medical cleared out. And every team has their own team doctors that examines them, and they felt comfortable enough to – where they can say, hey, look, if he's sitting there at number seven in that cluster of players that we want to draft, if Paris Johnson's not there, we're going to go ahead and take the best player available. And for them, that was Tyree Wilson, and they love his ceiling. The ceiling's high for this guy, and again, the best ability is durability, right? So again, how durable can he be? We're just going to have to watch this and monitor this, but it's up to the strength and conditioning coach um, with Coach enable and uh, everyone involved to kind of get these guys on the right track. But I'm very confident they will do that. So, yeah, really excited for Tyree Wilson and what he brings to the table.
1: Which player from the 2023 NFL draft class for the Raiders not named Tyree Wilson are you the most excited about that he could potentially have a very high roof, a high ceiling?
3: That's a great question. You know, when I when I run the grades, right, and, and watch the film. Um, One guy that really stands out outside of Michael Mayer, I think that would be the obvious one, but because I kind of want to go against the grain here, I'm going to go with a guy by the name of Christopher Smith. Here's a guy who's really the next, the Daron Harmon, right? We we heard GM Dave Ziegler talk about this, and Daron Harmon, I covered him extensively last year, one of my favorite players to cover. He's no longer on the team right now, Um, but he's a guy who comes in, Christopher Smith, is smart, leadership, very instinctive at the line of scrimmage. He can come and climb up sa- inside the box. He can play a two-deep two deep safety zone, um, a single high safety. If you watched what he ran at the combine, I think he ran at like a 4 40-yard dash. But then when you turn on the film to the Tennessee game, going up against Jalen Hyatt, he was matched up one-on-one outside, and he ran a 4.37 or something like that. So again, 4.37 versus 4.6 on field is not translate necessarily to what you run in board short. So, again, that's where the game film measurables come into play. And for me, Christopher Smith is going to be – I already put up a bold prediction that he's going to be the day-one starter, and don't be surprised if he does because at the end of the day, he just is too talented to be kept off the field, even for a rookie.
1: That would be huge for the Raiders if they are able to strike that way with Chris Smith. That would be fantastic, and we'll keep the receipt my man, because Beast, you always keep the receipts and you post them on social media whenever they happen. So I'll, I'll ask Chapman to clip this little uh, audio clip to, for the future, all right? I appreciate that, my guy. Absolutely. Ryan Sakamoto, tell the folks where they can find you and what you got coming up.
3: Yeah, you can find me uh, on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at BeastRider, B-E-A-S-T, and then W-R-I-T-E-R, so like sports writer. so Beast BeastRider. And uh, what I got going on is every Monday through Friday, like you said, we have a live stream at 6 p.m. Every Thursday, we spotlight a beat writer who we hops on the show and we just talk football as it pertains to the silver and black. And then we also t- discuss everything that you guys want to discuss from the nation standpoint, because I think it's very important that in bridging the community together, Um, The way I've always done it coming from the 49ers is I like to get the fans involved because I feel like they have a voice just as much as we do. And so I want to give them that platform to do it. So YouTube's usually the way to do it. I respond to every single comment. It's almost like three articles in one, sometimes 30 articles in one because in the comments section I respond in depth. So, again, you're getting more than just regurgitated news, recycled news, and just the daily reporting. You're actually getting insider access knowledge um, that I think um, comes of value. So, yeah, that's where you can find me is on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, at Beast Rider.
1: Thank you so much for joining me today, Beast. Talk to you soon, brother. All
3: right. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it.
1: Damn, I'm looking at the clock right now. We're an hour away from 2 p.m. when I can actually leave the building and go get some lunch. And I'm going to go to Grimaldi's Pizzeria because they are hands down my favorite pizza in Las Vegas. They got locations all over town in Vegas Valley, Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and in Green Valley. Only there you can get the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza that you crave. For more, visit Grimaldi'spizzeria.com. We're going from hockey to football to now talk NBA after the break with Bob Cantu, former USC head coach. He's coming on the air right now next on Raider Nation Radio.